Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Oh Lord, give us that faith, that childlike faith that lacks cynicism and Lord, give us that faith. Faith that believes and is reminded of your power. Lord, as we look at your word this morning, I pray it be powerful. That your words would be spoken in a powerful way. That each and every person, Lord, here would hear what you want them to hear this morning. Lord, that you would challenge us where we stand. Remind us who we are. Encourage us if we need encouraging. And most of all, remind us that you love us so much. The hope we have in this life and eternity is Jesus. Don't let us ever, Lord, forget to take that every step of the way. May your words be spoken in power. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Are we working? Where are you, Jason? Okay, good. Yay! It's back. It's back. I'm back. <laughs> so, this morning's passage, well, I need to ask you a question, something for you to think about. If you had one final speech, one final sentence, one final paragraph to send those you care most about off with, the last thing that you're going to say in your life, what would you say? <laughs> See you later. It's <laughs> wow. Oh man. <laughs> I think though, if you think about it for very long, you'll. There's a lot of things you'd like to say, right? There's a lot of things you'd like to make sure your kids. Or your family knows before you go. The most important things that that come to mind. And I think that's what happens in our passage today. Moses says, listen. Now this is, this. the passage we're in today is right after the Ten Commandments. I need to let you know that. So he's kind of giving them the the rules. He's like, okay, here's where you are. Here's what you're going to be doing. You're You're going to the promised land, kids. Right? Kids, they're his kids. I'm not going with you. We know I'm not going. Joshua's going to take you. We're go- you're going to the promised land. What's most important? What's most important about going to the promised land? Don't forget me. If you don't hear anything else that he says all day, don't forget who I am. It will go well with you in your life. See, Moses realizes that once they make it and they get into the promised land, things are going to be good. And what happens when things get good? We get sloppy, we get lazy, right? We go right after the sit back in our easy chair and we forget, right? Exactly. And I think that's why Moses is talking. He's like, don't forget this. 
Because you're going to forget it, right? When things get easy, because what happens? Things get rocky, things get hard, things get tough. What do we do? We turn back to God. But we say, I don't like those things, God. I don't really want those things in my life. And yet, without those things, we wander. We're no different than the Israelites. We wander. Sometimes, aimlessly wandering around. And God says, listen, I'm going to give you three things. He didn't say give you three things, but I think there's three things in this passage. So you can make fun of me because everybody says there's always three points. It just works. <laughs> if we were supposed to have four, I guess we'd find four, right? There's three things I think that God is telling that, through Moses, telling the Israelite people. And the reason I think that he's telling them these things is because it's important. And it's no less important for us today, church. The first thing he tells them, or reminds them, is that you have a duty. He said, these are the commands, the decrees, the laws of the Lord your God. God directed me to teach you these. So that when you get into the Jordan, over the Jordan, teach them to your children that they may fear the Lord too. And what do you get if you do that? You get to live a long and prosperous life and enjoy it. You know, church, we have a duty. I don't know, I, I don't really remember the last dedication we did. But you know, every time we dedicate a child in this church, each and every one of you have a responsibility. Don't forget that. Don't take it lightly. It's not Pastor Dave walking with a baby up and down the aisle. We remember that part, right? Because it's always usually pretty cute. Baby very rarely cries smiles and pastor dave does a great job with that but but that's the fluff on top don't forget the important part that parent those parents dedicate that child to the lord and we as a church each and every one of us are a part of that because we promise that we'll help raise that child that we will teach them the spiritual truths that we will walk alongside of them. I would be willing to bet that there are a ton of people in this church who were at one point dedicated when they were just babies. And this church has been faithful to, to walk alongside of those children as they have grown into adults and have had their own children. And who knows, I don't know, maybe even grandchildren at this point. Church, we have a duty. We have a responsibility. And it's not to be taken lightly. We talk about uh, duty, and this weekend, you know, as we uh, celebrate the 4th of July, I think sometimes we think, well, if you're in the military, it's your duty to protect us. It's your duty to protect us uh, and keep us free. But you realize that they put their lives on the line. I think sometimes we forget that. That we forget that they go in harm's way on purpose to protect us. See, freedom isn't free, which is interesting. It's not free at all. All right, so I want to tell you this story. Now, you might, you might think I'm embellishing this story, but I'm going to tell you right now that I am not embellishing this story. 
And you're probably thinking, what the heck does this have to do with a truck? I need to tell you about this truck. Not this exact truck, but a truck just like it. My grandfather, my grandmother, you know my grandmother was a very impactful person in my life. She was great for my spiritual walk. She was, she was the pusher. She was the one that would kick my butt. She was the one who taught me how to play the organ, barely. Uh, I think I know Ferris, Lord Jesus, maybe. If I tried really hard, I don't even know if I can remember at this point. So there was another half to grandma, though. And, and some of you may even, there's a few people here probably who actually knew him. His name was Skinny. Um, and that's all you need to know. He was real tall and skinny. He never was anything other than that. But anyway, granddad was not, he was not real vocal about his faith. He didn't go around um, spouting scripture all the time. But he lived his life a very, in a very powerful way because he followed God's laws. He did the things that he needed to do. And he was, he was just a man of God but in a very practical way. Not in that showy, uh, but you know, he treated people the right way and he followed after God hard. So granddad had a truck just like this. And, I want, and the reason I tell you this story is because he realized that he had a duty. See, granddad would take us to vacation Bible school. Not a whole lot unlike the vacation Bible school we had, but minus about 200 people. You know, there was maybe 30 of us, 20 of us, 30 of us. And granddad would take us there and it was, it was an evening and the problem was he had a truck a whole lot like this, except it had a cap. And I, I need to tell you how old I am, because back in that day, you could put a, a bench seat in the, back, in, the, in the back, put the cap on, nobody needed a seatbelt or anything. Well, there was always more kids, so Grenad would go around every day of vacation Bible school week, and he would pick us up. Now, the kids who were his grandkids, I think we got a little bit special treatment. We got to sit in the front, right? It wasn't all that great, but we got to sit in the front, and as we picked up more neighborhood kids, cousins, relatives on the way, we would literally fill up the front of the truck. We'd be packed in, and we'd have to put people in the back, and there were bench seats, so you would put people in the bench seats until you had no more room, and then the last kids, you know where they were at, right? They were just kind of in the middle, on the bed, wherever they were, right? Now, I, I think about this. I remember going on I-90, <laughs> which now would be like, oh, not politically correct, right? But we would go from exit 10 to exit 9. And one granddad's truck had one problem. The tailgate latch stunk. Now, remember, now I know you're going to have a hard time. This is the true story. I was there. So where our church was, it was on Yale Drive. If you've ever been on Yale Drive, it's by Barron. It goes kind of at a slight hill and then... The property changes to go up to, to Grace Bible Church, and it's this, there's a big hump, and it's like it's a street steeper angle. So we're going to church, all right? We're going to go to vacation Bible school, and we're all packed in there. We're going to have a great time. Granddad, he's getting older. He's not real good at slowing down. He hits that bump, and the tailgate literally pops open. And my cousin Alan, <laughs> this is the truth. My cousin Alan rolls out the back. <laughs> Here's the best part. Granddad didn't even know. <laughs> we got up to the church. We pull in. We're open. We're like, ooh, the tailgate's open. What happened here? Oh, Alan's at the bottom of the hill. <laughs> I was like, oh, my gosh. I was just a kid. I was, I was, I'm older than Alan, but not a lot older than Alan. But I remember that. And the funny part of that is, you know, Thank God he didn't get hurt. But I tell you that story not because of the, the, the funny part, but because Granddad understood the duty he had 
as a believer in Christ. He wasn't the best teacher. He wasn't the best. Uh, he would have been terrified to stand in front of you and talk. But he knew his part. He knew his part was to, to pick up those kids. And he was faithful about it. Every night he would, pick, he would just go around the whole neighborhood and pick up all the kids that needed to go to vacation Bible school. And he made it a point. He made it a point to make sure that we got there. And he made an impression in my life because of that, because I know what kind of guy he was. He wasn't the guy who was going to spout verses at me, but he, he reminded me of the duty that he had because he was a believer in Christ. And I want to encourage you to think about, as we, even as we look at this passage this morning, what part is your duty? See, we all have a piece. We all have. We know that scripture that talks about one's an ear and one's an eye and one's a mouth and one's a foot. Stinky people, whoever you are. I don't want to be the foot. I don't like feet. But we all have a piece. We all have a place in the ministry of God. And when we forget that, we lose what God's plan is. We lose God's plan in our own life. Second thing that, uh, that Moses reminds them is that they need to model it. They need to model the correct behavior. They need to lead their children and their grandchildren by walking in obedience. There's a, there's a, a saying, and I, don't, I got it from Randy Bartlett, but I don't know where he got it, but it doesn't matter. It says, more is caught than taught. And I want you to think about that for a minute. More is caught than taught. I'll give you a bad example of how not to lead in obedience. Just look at the political scene of the day. Now, I don't want to talk about politics. If you want to talk about politics, just keep walking by after we're done. Right? I despise politics. Because what I see is a terrible example of the way to lead a country. And I don't care which side you're on. It doesn't matter to me what side you're on. Because they're both throwing mud and they're both doing things the wrong way and just atrocious in my mind. Not leading in obedience. Not leading by example. Church, we need to lead by example. If you expect your kids to do something, you got to walk alongside and do it. Don't expect, I, I used to tell myself, don't expect anything more out of my kids than I am willing to give on my own. If I'm not willing to do that, then why would I expect my kids to do that? If you spend any time in Scripture, you'll find out very quickly. The one thing that I love about Jesus is um, the method to his madness. Is that he didn't try to do to tell a million people. But he shared life with 12 people. And he shared life day after day after day. He got his feet dirty. He went from place to place. He was hungry. He led by example. Yes, it's harder to lead by example. The world we live in today says, well, you just delegate everything out and you can sit back and do nothing and watch all the people move around you. But we both know. We all know that what's the kind of person you want to work with? What's the kind of person you want to do life with? It's those people who are willing to get their hands dirty, to sit in there and spend time and energy. I think one of, one of the things that uh, we always talk about Job's friends and we always bash those people, right? There was three of Job's friends. But do you realize they sat there for seven days? 
Four? All right. I don't know why I, th- I got rid of one. I don't, I don't like the. They sat there for a week. That, to me, is mind-boggling. When's the last time you sat with a friend who was hurting for a week? For a week. I, I'm not saying an hour, a week. That's powerful to me. Children are great imitators. Give them something great to imitate. I want to show you this picture. Just It's a little bit distorted because of the... Wait, this was Vacation Bible School. And I will tell you that uh, last, last week's vacation, during vi- Vacation Bible School, I had a chance to uh, sneak out one night with the youth who were out back. And this is a game, this is a game of two two-by-fours and a lot of ropes. And you got all these people on these two-by-fours. And if they don't work together... It's pretty miserable. We saw, we saw the difference between working together and ripping the ropes out. Uh, some of them had broken the rope. Of course, then they were down a rope, which made it even harder. But you don't see in this picture, but on the, on the left-hand side was Ford. Ford, was, Ford Kibbe was teaching the game, and they were um, the ladies and uh, Dustin and Kate and uh, Heather and Ford, and there was a Amy and a Mike, uh, were teaching the game and were they were involved in this game, and I was really proud. When I got out there, I was so proud of them because Ford was literally on the two-by-fours coaching them. Dustin's right there. You can see Dustin in the background. Dustin's cheering him. Huh? Laughing, cheering. Yeah, he was cheering, though. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And they were involved. I got to tell you, this, this picture, and you don't, probably can't tell who they are, all these boys are seniors at Wattsburg High School. Seniors, we're talking 17-year-old boys who are at vacation Bible school about the most uncool thing you can do. They're playing this game, and they're wholeheartedly trying to win this game. Why? Because Dustin's cheering them on, Ford's behind them, coaching them. Everybody else is clapping for them. There's another team. This picture only shows one. There was, they were racing another team. I was so proud of that group because they modeled the expectations. In church, we need to model the expectations. What God's expectations are, we need to model those to our children. And I want to tell you, someone said to me last week, but what, I don't have any kids. Oh, you do have kids. There's kids all over the place that walk in that door every Sunday. And guess what? Each and every one of those we're responsible for. They're going to grow up. I, I will tell you that that's been... The most powerful part of this job is a phone call from a, a no longer youth, an adult, five or six or seven years removed from youth group, saying, I need to talk. Or I just want to get together. I actually, I was telling my wife, we were at baccalaureate, uh, I don't know, the beginning of June. And I had a chance to go to baccalaureate and speak, which was awesome. There was a young man I hadn't seen in four years was there. And it wasn't 10 seconds into the... I saw him, I, we, we met eyes, and, and he literally got right next to me, and, he, and we, he just had my attention, and he wanted my attention. And he just was dying for someone to talk to. Church, don't, don't miss the point. You have an impact on these kids. You can change their lives. Don't forget that. We're out of time, so we're going to hurry up. (laughs) Finally, Moses says, here's the motto. Here's what you need to remember. 
The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. That's the motto. It's just that simple. If you line that up with everything else in life, it works out. That's the, that is the, that, I don't know why it looks like that. That is the Shema. That's, that's what the Jews actually took this motto and they used it every day before they did prayers. Anybody know what that is? It's a mezuzah. I got one if you want to see it. This is what the, this is what the Jews put on their doorpost. They don't put it straight. I don't know why that is. That drives me crazy. But all the pictures are crooked. But if you look in the back of the mezuzah, there's a spot there to roll the Shema on a piece of paper and slide it in there and they put it on their doorpost. Every time they walk in and out the door of their house, they remember that. They remember the motto to love the Lord their God with all their heart, their soul, and their strength. That's what we're to teach our children. That is what we are to teach them. And at the, at the opportunity to offend someone, or to not, I, don't, at the, I should say the risk, I don't want to offend someone, but I do want, I, I can't get past the Ephesians passage that talks about how women are to submit to their husbands and how that gets abused so many times. That's what this picture says, just leave it there at the table. Do you know, I say that because men, we need to stand up and be men, and to be men of faith. I think it's one of the reasons that this, the country we live in is struggling so much. That men of faith are not standing up, being counted, and, and taking account for their own children, their own families. If you're not doing it at home, you're sure as heck not going to do it here at the church. It's time for us to step up, church. Men, it's time for us to step up and, show, and lead the way. Lead the way for our wives. Lead the way for our children. Lead by example. Model that that behavior that we expect our kids to do. We tell our kids one thing and we do another. And God says, listen, you need to model that. You need to model the right behavior. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your strength. And yet, we struggle. We struggle to get there. You know, I love the practicality of this passage. It says, every time you get up and every time you go to bed, talk about, talk about God. Every time you get up, it's pretty easy, twice a day, right? Get up when you go to bed. So simple and so practical. You will eventually, Kenny. <laughs> so the question I have for you as we finish up is, what's on the Connect card? It says, what does this mean for me? And then I left a little line for each one. It's a great question. And only you and God can answer it. Right? Only you and God can answer that question. What does this passage mean for me? See, God modeled it through Jesus. He took Jesus and he went to the cross, a perfect sacrifice. Went to the cross for each and every one of us. He allowed His sinless Son to suffer and die for each one of us. That's powerful. That's modeling it. 
That's loving the Lord God with all your heart, soul, and strength. Let's pray. Lord God, as we looked at your word this morning, I'm reminded of what you expect out of us. What you desire for us as we follow you, Lord. I pray that your words were spoken in power. And Lord, that it is understood that you love us, each and every one of us, so much. Lord, we're reminded that you love us enough to send your Son to the cross. And Lord, that should compel us to live life differently. Lord, I pray even at this moment for anyone who hasn't made that decision, who hasn't decided to follow after you with all their heart, their soul, their strength, that hasn't put you number one in their life. Coming to church, being a part of a church, sitting in a pew doesn't make us a follower of Christ. But reaching out, calling upon you, asking you to come into our lives, to change who we are, Lord, we're hopeless without You. There is no hope beyond this life without Your love, without Your sacrifice. It ends when we take our last breath. Eternity rests in Your hands. Lord, I just am thankful for that. I am thankful that You have given us a way out. That You love us so much. In Your name we pray. Amen.